so much for joining us today on episode number 153 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about running injuries and specifically what to do if you have a running injury. So we're going to take an approach that you may not have heard before and teach you how to eat your injury. Not sure what I'm talking about? Well, stay tuned. This is the Real Life Runners podcast and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so eating our injury. So hopefully we've piqued a little bit of interest there with the intro. Excellent. But we're not going to jump into it yet because first we're going to say it's episode number 153. And for some people, what does that number mean, right? Even I, like you you wrote, like it's like the first sentence of our outline today. Like it's episode number 153, a number with a special meaning to Kevin. And I looked at him and I was like, what's 153 mean? <laughs> I Which I got really, that. really angry about. You did not. As I'm prone to. <laughs> so tell us the inspiration for episode number 153. Right, well... 153 was my room number freshman year in college. And freshman year in college was the time that running completely changed for me. It was also the year that you lived with four other guys in the same room. It smelled so bad in that room. The one They called it the one room. Well, they called it the super quad. Called it a super quad because a lot of quads in college have like a room in the middle that's like your hangout room. And then there's like a bedroom on one side for two guys and bedroom on the other side for two more people. Mm -hmm. No, no. One room... Four beds. <laughs> it, it it had an interesting scent. <laughs> it's like summer camp. Yes, it was like, like sleep, summer camp. Sleepaway camp. <laughs> Great. Anyway, so t- t- tell us a little bit more about this. All right, so running went from this fun thing that I did in high school. I was pretty good at it. I spent a lot of time with my friends. We'd go out and run. It was a blast. And suddenly running was the most mileage I'd ever done, the fastest I'd ever done that mileage, the hardest workouts I'd ever gone through, plus the most intense school load I'd ever tried to undergo, plus the first major running pain that I'd had. I had some like mild shin, sp- shin pain in high school, but suddenly my knee was stabbing and throbbing on a regular basis. Yeah, that's no good. And so that's really the main point of what we're going to be focusing on in this episode. So we're going to talk a little bit about Kevin's story and his experience with the pain and then kind of how we got to the framework that we now have about eating your injury or eating your pain. And, and you know, when I first thought of this and I was trying to come up with how to put this all together... I was thinking, oh, was, oh my gosh, we should totally like, I, I was trying to come up with cute acronyms, yes, you know, and I was trying to like make the acronyms work and make them spell out different things. And then it luckily it just came out to E-A-T, eat your pain. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds like, you know, not a very productive way of dealing with your pain by <laughs> eating your pain. You can eat your injury away, <laughs> hey, one bag of potato chips at a time. <laughs> I mean, so eating your injury sounds better than eating your pain because that just like, you know, gives you these visions of like you said just like you know eating away the pain emotional eating my knee hurts so much but this tub of ice cream is really gonna help delicious and that's obviously not what we mean by this so it is a play on words it is a fun acronym but today we will explain to you exactly what eating your pain means here because this has basically been our major theme this week. So if you get our emails, you've probably been able to read through some of the mini trainings that we've been sending out this week. We've been sending out some emails kind of explaining this framework and explaining this idea of 
eat your pain um, and eat your injury. And it's all leading up into our lower leg masterclass on Saturday. So on Saturday, we're hosting a live masterclass. For those of you who haven't registered yet, you still have time to get in at early bird pricing, okay? So if you go to therunnersbody.com, you can register for our masterclass where we'll, we'll be talking all about calf pain, shin pain, and foot pain, okay? So if you have pain below the knee, we are going to be addressing it, teaching you how to evaluate, assess, and treat your pain, hence the eat your pain. Um, We're going to teach you all about what to do to make that pain go away for good by getting to the root cause of your pain. So if you want to join us, it's $25 for early bird pricing. It's going to go up. The price goes up on Friday night. So you want to get in on this. Go to therunnersbody.com to register today. So Excellent. But first it's story time. Story time. All right. So let's talk about this. So running pain, right? Running injuries, running pain. These are very common things that actually 82% of all runners experience some sort of running injury at some point in their running journey. Yeah. I've seen all sorts of numbers. They're all over the place. Yeah. Um, They're high though. They're high. They're all high. Sometimes there's a range. Sometimes it's like somewhere between 35 and 67% of runners. Mm -hmm. Like where did these numbers come from? But they're always a lot of runners. Then there's the the runners saying of there's two types of runners, those who have been hurt and those who haven't been hurt yet. Yes. I never like that one. It doesn't, it's not a positive saying. It's not a very positive saying. And, And you know, that's part of our goal here at Real Life Runners is to teach people different ways to train so that you don't get stuck in that injury cycle over and over and over again. And if you do find yourself injured, we can teach you how to get out of it by very simple things that you can do at home. Like you don't need to go through doctor in most circumstances. Obviously this, you know, little disclaimer, this is not medical advice. You know, this is educational in nature, all that good stuff. And like, if you do have a serious injury or pain, you should go see a medical professional like a a doctor or a physical therapist in person. But if your tibia is poking through the skin, go to the hospital. Like (laughs) this is, this is not what we're working on. That's not what we're working on. Right. But, but for most running injuries or most pain associated with running, very, you know, a lot of it can be dealt with very early on in the process. Like if you catch it early and you do a couple things, it can just basically go away and you can handle it and it won't bother you and you can keep running. And that's really what we want to teach you guys. And so that's what we're going to talk about today with Kevin's story. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I did not follow any of that advice. So well, you didn't know better at that no, time, I did not. you know? So let's go back to college. Okay. So like you said, you were running really hard for the first time ever. You were training really hard. You had a lot of stuff going on in school. There was just a whole lot of stuff on your plate. There was a whole lot of stuff. I mean, I ran pretty hard through high school, but I was able to put myself in a pretty good position on a very competitive uh, school with like the, the level that I was I was at. I was running like 40-ish miles a week, somewhere in that. And I went to college and suddenly I was running like 80 plus miles a week. Yeah, that's a big jump. Like we were doing minimum 10 to 12 every day out of the week. We had one day that was that we didn't have official practice, but we were supposed to go out and run at least 10 miles on our own on that day. Oh yeah, you know. It, just go out and get an easy 10. Easy 10, you and, know, no big deal. If you can't hear the quotes, the quotes are flying on that one. Easy 10. <laughs> um... So I was immediately this massive ramp up in mileage, which I probably did too fast. You know, I followed the the classic 10% rule, but still to go from years of being running in like 30 to 40 miles a week and the next to go from spring to fall, suddenly you're consistently running 80 to 90 miles a week. 
is a very large jump. So you you actually use the classic ten percent to get yourself up to that level. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, like I, throughout the summer. Yeah, yeah, throughout the summer, I, I went from like the end of track season and tried to carefully ramp myself up over the course of the summer, and okay. I did a lot of just running and running and running and running and i also got the letter from the the college coach that said um your run should never really be slower than a 630 per mile pace and so then i was trying to figure out how i could run that much and try and hold that pace all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it was a lot so i got to to school and i'm like okay i can handle this pace i can handle this mileage and then suddenly it was the workouts Mm -hmm. and day one was like five by a mile sub five minutes let's go. And it was on grass. Like it wasn't even like on a track and, and the, the, Got number one guy on the team took off and he hit like 445 on the opening one and then he's back there yelling at the people who were at the back of the pack like come on I'm done with my recovery you got to finish here like oh okay so this is how this is gonna go so I've got that plus I'm not sleeping at right. all because suddenly I've got college course load on top of me chemical and, engineering no less right and I'm just really trying to thoroughly enjoy college a lot because mm-hmm. there were four of us guys in one room and it was just a good time and bad smells <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was a lot going on the classic overtraining under recovering combo yeah which leads to issues my issue popped up in my left knee mm-hmm. right on the inside of it right and then kind of moved towards the middle mm-hmm. and towards the outside and under and really all of my whole left knee was just <laughs> in a large amount of pain so what'd you do about it pretended it didn't exist how'd that work out for you amazingly well <laughs> <laughs> so so i just pretended that it didn't exist and eventually i kept getting slower because i was now limping on my 10 to 12 miles a day and the coach saw me he goes well you gotta go see the trainer so i went and go go see the trainer yeah Classic trainer move. They put... Ice on it. Bingo. Yeah. Ice. Electric stim. Well, yeah. Once I, I went back a couple of times, and then instead of just wrapping it with ice, because you know, the ice and the, like the saran oh, wrap yes. around the outside of it, mm-hmm. so then I could walk home looking like the super cool athlete with like the ice strapped to my knee. <laughs> that was a good look. Um, and then I came back, and they're like, oh, it still hurts. So then I got ultrasound. I got e stim. Mm-hmm. I was like... I was the athlete that had to go to the training room instead mm-hmm. of practice. I'd like warm up for 15 minutes and then they do the ultrasound on it mm-hmm. but the pain kept being there yeah um because I, I no one ever tried to figure out what the problem was yeah i don't know i still don't understand why the trainers didn't actually assess you but i guess that's another story for another time that's yeah that's a totally different story that may have something to do with my position on the team relative to the like full scholarship soccer player I mean, who was sitting yes. next to me i mean maybe yes maybe no who knows but so what ended up happening like so you ignore the problem you tried to run through it you just got a bunch of modalities from the therapist and the trainer there Ooh, modalities, modalities. Your fancy pt terms i i know i have to watch myself sometimes sorry no i just have to make sure that you translate them for the rest of us yeah all the like external things like machines that they put on you that doesn't really do much well it made it feel better temporarily temporarily yes but ultimately until i stopped running the pain would come back so then i would take like two or three weeks off and then i would run Mm -hmm. and i would try and basically jump back to most of my mileage you know we had an episode on this it last week, two weeks back, where yeah. it was how to come back from injuries and stuff like that. So I'd be running an 80-mile week. I'd take two to three weeks off, and I'd come back. And the trainer should be, would say, well, you should start at like 50 to 75%. So I would start at 75%. Mm. So 60-mile week. Yeah. Shockingly, I made it about a week every time, and yeah. I was back in the training room, ice, ultrasound, stem. Right. It was 
brutal. I made it years of this and missed outdoor track season every single year because I was always hurt through the entire season. Mm -hmm. And then I would have summer training and be on my own. It would be my own pace. It'd be my own effort levels. I would sleep more over the summer and it didn't hurt. And then I'd show back up in the fall, brutal workouts, no sleep, and boom, the pain was back. Mm -hmm. I made it to junior year and I had to quit the team because I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And it it was brutal. And that was roughly when I met you. Mm Mm-hmm. But you didn't know how to fix me at this point in time. Right. You were all <laughs> confused at the whole, like, I don't even get why he likes running. No, I wasn't. I mean, I, that that's true. But I mean, like, you know, at that point when I met you, like, you had just quit the team, like, at, like the semester before, right? Right. I quit the team in late, year. late October. Yeah. And I met you in January. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, just getting back into running. I think we have an episode on that way, way back on, like, my whole running story. Yeah, I don't even think you were – I don't even know if you were running at that point yet. I definitely was not running consistently. Yeah. Because I started running somewhere in the winter of that year. Right, yeah. You and your roommate would go out and run some 5Ks. Like, you were running, like, the intramural cross-country, right, at that point? I did intramural cross-country senior year. Okay, that was a junior year. I didn't run, like, anything junior year. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, when Kevin and I met, like – we were still in college. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was still going to go to med school and until things changed around a little bit for me here. But basically, as you can tell, like Kevin had the kind of a classic running story. Like he overtrained, he under-recovered, he had pain in his knee. He tried to ignore it. It didn't work until it finally put him on the sidelines. And then I threw some more ice on it. <laughs> Ice and, and ice and prayer. That's going to be the solution, I mean, right? The pain went away, and until you started to like run and ramp up your mileage again, and like this is the vicious cycle that so many runners find themselves in. Like they will start to experience pain, then they'll take some time off. It'll start to feel better. That inflammation will go down. That acute inflammation will go down, and then they'll get back into their running just to kind of hit the same wall every single time like I've heard that story from so many runners like oh well I can run six miles but as soon as I try to go above six miles then the pain starts acting up so I think that's just as far as I can go yes it's the injury boundary yeah it's the I can do I can do it up to this point I can run up until this mileage Mm -hmm. I can run down until this pace and then the pain comes in right and that's not really true there's there's other things that are limiting it like there's not a magic wall at seven miles that people get hurt there's not a magic wall at 10 that suddenly there's injuries no because be you know clearly there are examples of other people that are way past all of those limits right way past all those boundaries and a lot of people tend to just write those people off as freaks of nature or oh it, it must be because they can do it but I can't do it and it's really the fact that you're just not training properly, okay? And and I'll just go ahead and flat out say that. Like, you're just not training properly. If you find that every time you hit a certain number on the mileage scale or on the clock, like, you just that's when the pain starts coming back in, then what that is telling you is that your body is not ready to go beyond that point yet because you haven't prepared the foundation well enough yet. Like the foundation that you have is fine for the mileage that you are currently running in, but if you want to go beyond that, you need to do more work. You need to strengthen the foundation more because what happens is as we run, our bodies fatigue, our muscles fatigue, and we have power muscles and we also have stabilizing muscles. And if you're stable, Stabilizing muscles 
fatigue, guess what happens to your foundation? It's kind of loose. It kind of gets little cracks in it, right? Like obviously these are metaphors, but when you are then trying to ramp up your mileage and you have a shaky foundation, that's when the pain starts. And that was, that was my issue is whatever the distance was I was training for, I had now realized that if I want to get really good, I should train the way that I was training at my best in college. So that meant high mileage and really hard workouts a couple of times a week. Mm -hmm. So even post-college, that's how I started to train, get the mileage really high, throw some speed a couple of times a week, maybe do some hill workouts once a week, like just keep ramping up and cross your fingers and hope that the pain just doesn't show up this time. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just need to, maybe if I get like a little bit more experience at this, maybe if I slowly ramp my way up to that mileage, then I can break through that supposed ceiling. Mm -hmm. I tried various things, but the pain always showed back up because I was missing kind of an important point. Well, and you were at that point in time recovering more, right? Like you were out of college. We're talking post-college. So you weren't like partying as much. You weren't, you were getting more sleep, you know, so there were things that did improve when it comes to kind of the overall big picture. Yes. But I mean, while I was, the the pain would still come. And I mean, even when uh, I moved down to to Florida, you were in PT school, I was training really hard because I was, there was a a few people in the local running scene that were pretty darn competitive and like we'd show up at local races and I'm like, well, if I want to be able to compete against this guy, I got to move. So mm-hmm. I got to really ramp my training up. And I was, I was running pretty hard, but I, I kept missing the consistency. I kept falling off because eventually I'd get to pain and conveniently you were at that point now in PT school mm-hmm. and we're starting to actually have the answer. So in the outline, I wrote this as my injury story and Angie's savior story because this is when she <laughs> saved my running existence. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But so for those of you that might be new to the podcast, I'm a physical therapist. And so when I was um, pursuing my doctorate in physical therapy, at this time, it was wonderful for me because Kevin had pain. So I was like, yay, it was, it's a real patient with, with real pain. And like, obviously not to celebrate that you were in pain, but like. But she was smiling. I, I was, well, I was happy to try to actually help someone that needed help, you know, because in, in PT school, there's all these things we learn, right? When you're, when we are learning all these different concepts and you have lab partners and people like there's the classic textbook cases, right? That you look at your partner and you're like, oh, I've got pain here, here, and here. And then you put them through these tests and then you're like, oh, you must have blank diagnosis. Here are the exercises you should do, right? And it's very like, textbook when you're in school right but like, clearly like, like it's almost like pick up an index card here's the script that you're supposed right. to say so that you have the exact symptoms of this very specific diagnosis correct that's not what i had well, i had pain all over my knee and i needed i need some help with it that's not what most runners have you know like and that's so that's why i was like oh you know this is great like now i can actually try to put some of my skills to use here to actually figure out what's going on with, with him and help him to fix it I was thoroughly confident she was going to massage me a lot, so I was on board <laughs> was with on this. Board. This is not what happened. Why does everyone think that a physical therapist is just a glorified <laughs> massage therapist? Like, so many people is like, oh, you're a PT. I've got a pain right here. Would you rub it? I'm like, no, we're at like a black tie ball. Like, what are you talking about? You're about to get married. You should put your shirt back on. <laughs> <laughs> so back to, back to your bed. All right, so... 
my knee was hurting and I told you that my yeah. knee hurt. And well, at first I didn't because Big I strong man. Well, yeah, there was that. And I had gone years of pretending that that pain didn't exist because as a runner, there's aspects of running that are uncomfortable. And so just ignoring the pain seemed logical to me. Right. But then when I would notice that you weren't going out for runs on a consistent basis anymore, then I was like, why didn't you run today? And you're like, oh, you know, stuff happened. And, and, and you then know. you lived on the second floor and I would have to limp up to your room every, every once in a while. <laughs> that was a key sign. That was a key sign. So basically, you know, I was in the middle of PT school here. So I was learning all of this stuff. So I put Kevin through basically a full evaluation. And Kevin was like, okay, you know, let's let's sneak into the classroom building so you can put some electric stim on it now. This is exactly what I thought <laughs> we were going to do. Like, she's like, oh, I'll treat you. And I just went straight back to college. And I'm like, okay, so that means that you're going to break out the ultrasound machine. Yeah. You don't have, are you going to steal one from school? Yeah, no. Like, are you just going to ask to borrow one? Are we going to, like, I was so confused on what exactly you were going to do. Right. And then you just start asking me questions. And that's... That's what threw me because before people literally were just like, well, where's the pain? All right, great. That's where we'll put the ice. All right, wait, where exactly the pain is? Okay, good. Then we'll put the pads here and here and that's where we'll run the E-stem. Right. Where's the pain? Good. That's where I'll rub the ultrasound thing. Mm. You were asking me, where's the pain? You were asking more than just that. You didn't just ask, where's the pain? And then throw an ice bag on top of it. You had a lot more questions and that's where we actually started to get some answers. Right. Because, you know, this is part of the problem is that, you know, a lot of runners tend to ignore the pain, right? That's usually the first step, ignoring the pain. And then number two is treating the symptoms. So my knee hurts. I'm going to ice my knee. I'm going to put electric stim on my knee. I'm going to put Kate, you know, kinesio tape on my knee. Like so many people just want to treat the symptom and, and so many people don't even know, like, so I'm not even trying to say that people are being negligent, but most people don't even know that there could be another source for the problem. Like many, many times I will say, you know, like a pretty big generalization here, but so many times the problem is not just with whatever body part is in pain. Like there's usually other things going on in different areas of the body that is at at least contributing to that pain, if not causing it. Right. And this is where your magic worked here because I went from a painful knee that I'd literally been in pain for that knee on and off for, I don't know, three to five years. At least, right? And then suddenly you fixed it. Well, I didn't fix it. You fixed it. I just taught you how to fix it. You taught me how to fix it. (laughs) And, uh, And you stopped me from simply treating the injury and led me to eating the injury. Right. Okay, so what does EAT the injury mean? So EAT is an acronym for Evaluate, Assess, and Treat. So the whole idea behind eating the injury is actually getting to the root cause of the problem. So in Kevin's case, it wasn't really a problem with his knee. The the true source of the problem were his hips, okay? He had hip weakness that was, that. You know, so when the muscles in your hip are weak, it basically leads to instability. And that instability creates more forces and wear and tear at the knee. So yes, the problem was at the knee, but it was because of the weakness in the hips. And so instead of treating his knee, we started treating his hips and I gave him exercises to treat his hips and then poof, 
Yes, once I stopped resisting the exercises and was like, no, 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 I can totally fix this by just throwing a bag of ice onto my <laughs> knee and started actually doing the exercises and trusting you, my life improved substantially once I just started trusting you a lot more. Just in general? <laughs> just Yeah, just overall, <laughs> just as an overall life picture. Um, but, I mean, we do this all the time in all sorts of things. Like, the magic of your diagnosis was that there were two things that showed up before treating it was all of these questions that showed up before and then making the connections between what all those answers actually meant right that it wasn't just like where's your pain sweet let's treat the pain no no no. where's the pain and some more things we'll get into that in a second here but first a lot of this resistance came because it's sometimes a lot easier to treat symptoms of course it is way easier to just treat them Because it takes so much more thinking and knowledge to actually try to figure out what's causing the problem. Yes. The problem was is that I kept trying to treat the symptoms but then expect different results out of that. Like, well, I iced it before and the pain came back, but maybe this time the pain won't come back. (laughs) Maybe this time. (laughs) But, I mean, we do this all the time. Yeah. You got a headache? Take some Advil. Don't worry about the fact that you haven't been sleeping, that you're super dehydrated, maybe poor nutrition for the last couple of days, whatever's going on. Just take an Advil and the the pain will go away. Right. I mean, it's the same thing with a lot of things, right? Like, if you have a stomach ache, maybe you should just take a Tums or, was it Mylanta? That's a stomach thing too, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, And then just ignore the fact that you eat a completely processed diet full of a bunch of crap or you just have been for some reason you've had to eat out multiple days in a row like yes, I mean, that, that was always does of, it with you that always does it with me for sure like don't don't think about that part don't try to correct that part like just take a tums and mask the pain you know or you know stressful day at work have a glass of wine have a glass of wine just pretend work doesn't exist yeah. And, and that's that's where it goes from, you know, some running issues into some more physical issues into just general life issues. Totally. People would much rather just treat the symptom. I feel stressed. The glass of wine, the beer makes me feel less stressed and my problem's better. Right. No, your problem's not better. No. You still have the problem. Your symptom is better. Mm-hmm. Your symptom is going to briefly be alleviated. And so many times when you do that, like when you mask whatever problem it is, the problem just gets worse. You know, like most of the time it doesn't even stay the same. Most of the time it actually gets worse. It definitely doesn't magically go away. Not usually. Which would be cool if it did, but I mean, it, sometimes, it you know, like you said, sometimes with a headache, if you, you take a, an, a couple Advil and, and it goes away temporarily, like you said. But if you do have those underlying issues of dehydration or poor nutrition or other things, like chances are you're probably going to get another headache and you're probably going to get headaches on pretty regular intervals. On a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, especially if the underlying cause is lack of sleep and you follow it up with like, oh, well, take some Advil and then get an, unless you take some Advil and get a nap. I always love the people that are like, oh, I get a headache. I take two Advil with a giant glass of water and I feel so much better. Cool. You could also take two little candies with a giant glass of water and feel better. It's probably the water that's helping you. Right. I mean, for some people, the Advil does help, but then the Advil also has other side effects, right? right? And it's especially if you start to overtake, you know, people that take too many um, of the anti-inflammatory medications can end up with stomach problems and ulcers and other issues. I mean, especially if you're popping two every day because the, the headache shows up in the middle of the afternoon. Or eat every day, you know, yeah. every four hours as it wears off. Yeah, that's probably not advisable. Probably not advisable. So this is where we get in, get into eating eating 
clean the injury, okay? So it's not really eating, it's eat the injury. Eat. Because there's no real ING on The acronym's not that long. Well, we have to, maybe it could be. No, it's not. All right, eat, E for evaluate. (laughs) What the heck is actually going on? Right. Okay, so one of the questions here is, in fact, where is it? Right. But that's not the only question. No. Okay, what else we got? Okay, so the the key with the where is it, you know, is like for you to actually come up with the specific location. So I usually tell people if you have one finger, where would you point to the pain? Solid. Okay, like because sometimes you're like, oh, well, it's like this whole area. I'm like, okay, but if you just could use one finger, where would it be? Okay, so that gets people to start to think about it a little bit differently, start to get a little bit more specifically. Okay, so like where is it? How bad is it? I always have them rated on a scale of zero to 10. What does it feel like? What makes it better or worse? Like these are the things that we look at. We look at the whole picture in the evaluation. Like I look at medical history. I look at athletic history. There's so many questions that I ask to try to get the whole picture about what's going on. Because I believe that we need to treat the person and not just the pain, not just the symptoms. Because that pain is presenting inside of a person's body. That pain is not isolated. And this is where we get into a lot of trouble in the medical world. You know, like doctors go in, like I'll have patients come in so many times. They're like, well, I have a torn meniscus. I've got knee pain. I've got a torn meniscus. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. But that's not why you're you're in pain, you know, or back pain. I see that all the time. You know, like your symptoms are not consistent with that diagnosis. Like, oh, well, I have a herniated disc in my back. Oh, but these are your symptoms. But those symptoms and that diagnosis don't match up. So, you know, most people over the age of 25 have herniated discs on imaging. Like they've, they've done studies that show that if you're over the age of 25, I forget the exact percentage, but the chances are pretty high that you have some sort of like little disc bulge or herniation or something going on in your spine. But the majority of those people that have things on the radiographic images, like an x-ray, MRI, those kinds of things don't actually have symptoms. So sometimes they cause symptoms, sometimes they don't cause symptoms, but there's really a lot more going on if you look at the big picture. This is why, I'm, and I've watched you treat various family members and friends when they come up and they're like, okay, my neck hurts here and you won't just start rubbing it for them. And then you ask them to do things. And one of your big questions is, well, does it hurt more if you do this or if you do that? Mm-hmm. Like which, what position makes it feel or worse? Which right. reminds me of the classic joke about, hey, doctor, it hurts when I do this with my leg. And the mm-hmm. doctor says, well, just don't do that. Like, okay, but it hurts when I run with my leg. Mm-hmm. And I can't not run because right. then it hurts between my ears mm-hmm. and I start yelling at people. Right. <laughs> yeah, because as we know, like as runners, running is so much more than just physical exercise, right? It's so much more about who we are and how we handle our, our days and the person that we identify as like when we identify as a runner running means a lot more to us than just going out and hitting the pavement every day to get in your 30 minutes of exercise right yeah I mean running is is core to a lot of people and that's why you know following like long races when people take some time off it's tough for them to sort of figure out what to do with their life because they're like well Mm -hmm. I I used to be training for a marathon that took me hours every Sunday I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that time anymore. I'm not really sure who I am on a Sunday without that training. Exactly. So after we go through the evaluation where we, you know, I ask people all these questions and, you know, if if you're interested in this framework and, and 
going into more detail with this, I really in, like encourage you to join our masterclass on Saturday because I'm going to be going into all of these things in a lot of detail so that people can get very specific on what exactly is going on with them. I was going to say, I've seen some of the slide deck you're putting together. Uh-huh. I mean, we it's just... It's very comprehensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we just covered the E of eat your injury in like three minutes. And I think you cover it in like, I don't know, 70 or 80 slides. So it's a thorough, <laughs> I may be it slightly is. exaggerating, but it it's is. very thorough. So if you've got some pain, seriously, check out yeah. um, what is my my runner, the, the, runner's, the body. runner's body. The runner's body.com. There it is. That's how you're going to register for our masterclass this Saturday. Okay. So after we get this, this full picture in the evaluation, okay, I take the history, um, we learn about the the patterns of the pain, where the where it is, how bad is it, what does it feel like, um, and then extra information like how it responds to movement, how it responds to running, does it hurt more before a run, after a run, during a run, does it kind of warm up as you go? You know, that can kind of point us in, in different directions as to helping us figure out where the source of this pain would be. Okay, so then we move on to A, which is assess. Okay, so E, evaluate, A, assess. Now, when we get into the assessment, this is when we can do different tests. So we test strength, we test mobility, we test um, to figure out like joint restrictions, tissue restrictions that might be present. We do self-assessment tests like, you know, especially like if you don't, aren't coming to see me in person, I can do a lot of this over the internet. I can have, I can give self-assessment tests. And, and the, again, we're going to be giving those in the masterclass this Saturday and, and showing you specific tests that you can do to figure out where your restrictions lie. Right. And I mean, you've got a, a long list of, of strength and mobility tests. There's some some basic strength ones. There's a lot of like key ones that you can do that, mm-hmm. that pick some stuff up. The mobility tests are pretty fun. Um, I thought these were a lot more fun when you first tried to start diagnosing my, my knee pain 15 years ago. Why, why were they more fun 15 years ago? Because then it was like, all right, so I need you to lay on the bed and then I'm going to move your leg in this direction. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't whatever it is, I'm, I'm good. This is, this would be great. Move my leg this direction that direction just tell me what to do it's gonna be fine <laughs> um so it's, it was nice but there's a lot that you can learn off of all these things because you're learning which areas are weak and you're learning not just like strength versus weakness but you're learning imbalance from side to side or front to back or mm-hmm. anything like that because that is i mean I had both issues going is I was super weak on both sides, but I was especially weak on one. Right. I was weak on both, but I was basically non-existent in a certain muscle on the one side um, to the level that like the most basic exercise that you were trying to have me do, I couldn't physically move my leg that direction. And because... I was so confused by it because in my head, you were like this strong runner, you know, and you were a very, I mean, you are a very good runner. You were a very good I mean, runner. At the time I was like running a 5k in roughly 16 minutes yeah. and I couldn't, I couldn't do a clamshell. I mean, it was a cl- it was also that just the sideline leg lift, like side you were having leg lift. such an issue with that. Yeah. And I'm like, just lift your leg and you're, and you're like, I can't do it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it didn't even make sense to me. I could do it, but I kept trying to like right. roll a different direction. You, well, you kept so compensating. That, yeah, yeah. I kept using other muscles to do it because the muscle that I was supposed to use basically didn't exist. It, I mean, it did. Of course it, <laughs> of course it existed. We're not going to say that. But and it just withered away from a lack of use. <laughs> withered away. Atrophy. It's actually a good like visual of that. But anyway, so yeah, so in the assessment part, we do strength and mobility tests and we do specialist assessment test so try to zone in on exactly what is happening um and then we also 
teach people how to what what the difference is between pain and soreness okay we also assess where the exact cause of the pain could be coming from Right. And I mean, that pain versus sore, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but runners are sore all the time. Yeah. There's a, there's an issue with when that soreness moves into pain. Correct. And one of the differences between it, like, I think the one that I want to highlight here, cause there's several of them, there but are. one of the differences is how long is that soreness lasting? Mm-hmm. Like if you run and then you're sore later that afternoon or even the next morning, that's probably soreness. Mm-hmm. If you run on a Monday and you're still aching from that on Friday, yeah. that's pain. Yeah. Most times that's true. And then it's also the location. Like, are you sore in the joints or are you sore like in the muscles? That's a big indicator as well. Yeah. And that goes much more into what you need to cover with people because you say sore in the joint versus sore in the muscle. I'm like, I don't know, here, here, it's here. Right. Right. And and that is a, uh, what you point out is a very important differentiator is the, the length of time, um, that, that soreness or that pain is there. Um, because running doesn't need to be painful. Everyone's like, Oh no pain, no gain. And that's not really true. Like in, in some ways it is right. In some ways, like you do need to push through certain barriers, certain limits, but there's a difference between pushing through pain of, you know, from an actual problem, like a pathology versus just the pain of training, right? Because sometimes when we are pushing hard and when we're tired like it is burning things are aching we don't want to keep going but like you keep pushing that's a different kind of push that's a different kind of pain right I mean you try and do hill repeats and like like hill sprints there is pain yeah. at the back end of that when your thing. muscles are screaming at you that's an okay pain to push through right but then if you're still feeling that super sharp stabbing pain three days later and you're nowhere near the hill anymore well i don't you've think you've got an issue yeah but it's not the when you're doing hill repeats and you're experiencing pain it's not a sharp stabbing pain it's it's almost impossible to describe it because it's just really freaking painful screaming it's screaming it's that's a screaming good. pain sure I think. like it's it's like your your body is just like screaming at you to stop and your legs just feel super super heavy like you can't make the motion go anymore but it's not usually like a pinpointed like stabbing sharp pain no because your whole leg wants to fall off (laughs) right exactly or just stop working (laughs) like nothing's gonna work anymore i don't know who attached the like extra 50 pounds to my ankles but i can't actually lift my foot anymore (laughs) that (laughs) right so in the a in the assessment part that's when we put it all together okay we start to put together um the information that we gain from the evaluation the history your athletic history all these things because we also need to know about your medical history like your background do you have pre-existing conditions like diabetes obesity osteoporosis, autoimmune disease, like all of these things can affect how we train and and what kind of adaptations our body goes through. Like all these things play a role, right? And so, go ahead. I I was super ticklish. Did that play a role in the diagnosis? It it did. It made the diagnosis really funny. It made it challenging and in a lot of ways because I was like trying to like find out what muscles were going, you know, like what was going on and palpate Kevin, like touch certain parts, like does it hurt here? And he would just start laughing. I was like, well, is that pain? And you're like, no, it's ticklish. And (laughs) I was trying to like you know, feel around different areas and you were just laughing. It was the funniest. I I had never had that in depth of an evaluation to find like all the different muscles and all of the different, like, uh, you know, what's, what's mobile and the strength of this thing, the strength of that. And I'm trying to do exercises as you're feeling various 
like spots down my mm. leg and I'm like this is insane and but it fixed it yeah. that was the thing is ultimately that fixed the problem because right. we got to the treatment yeah so that's let's get into treat which is the t so e evaluate a assess t is treat so when we can find the proper diagnosis of the injury we can then fix the underlying cause like and you know i i say diagnosis with a a bit of a hesitation because number one like i'm not going to be diagnosing anyone that i'm not going to be seeing in person okay even when i see people in person like i'm technically not supposed to be diagnosing people as a physical therapist the diagnosis like that's just the word that the mds get to hold on to so what word do you get to use Assessment. Assessment. <laughs> so I get my assessment. Because here's the thing. And again, going back to... Well, you got to have the assessment. But going back to the diagnosis, right? A lot of the times the diagnosis that I get from these doctors are like knee pain. I'm like, that's not a diagnosis. That's a symptom of something else going on, right? The pain is not a diagnosis. There's, It's a symptom. And, you know, with the new changes in the diagnostic the diagnostic codes and stuff they finally did get rid of you know pain of knee pain as, yeah, a, as, a, thing. as a code but anyway but, but there's an issue with having a diagnosis like some people cling to it because then that's a title that they've got as an injury right. and then they're going to google it right. and figure out all sorts of things that may or may not be helpful correct i don't need an appropriate name for it right. i simply need an appropriate way to fix it so it's gone i don't care what it is i want it gone but it, here's the thing though too is like when you and this is part of what comes along the assessment like It's not just about putting that diagnosis and that label on something because, like I said, you can have a torn meniscus, you can have a torn tendon, you can have a quote-unquote tendonitis, you know, which people are proving that it's not actually tendonitis, but we're not going to get into that today. So there's a diagnosis that a doctor might give to you, but that may not be how you're actually presenting clinically. And it may be other things that need to get fixed in order to solve that problem. Like that might be like a secondary or even a tertiary problem. Like Ooh, the, primary, tertiary. <laughs> the primary problem might be like three steps back, four steps back. Like let's get back to that. And that's kind of what happened with you. Like you were presenting with knee pain, but the problem was up in the hip. So you were very confused as why I wasn't treating your knee. Why in the world would we be strengthening your hips in order to treat your knee? But when we strengthen the foundation and take the pressure off the knee by strengthening the hips, then the knee can actually heal itself and that inflammation can go down. It's funny because it was actually the same underlying issue that led to shin pain Mm -hmm. throughout high school. It's just that my shoes changed in college and so the the pain moved locations, but it was still caused by my knee or by my hip. That can happen. I mean, and you're feet too you know like you're you you have um you know your arch tends to collapse a little bit so you that can cause some issues also but this is the point is like how is that diagnosis how is that problem actually presenting in your body where are the weaknesses where are the imbalances where are the restrictions present because we need to know what tissues are restricted because that's what happens when when we train when we train hard our body breaks down we're constantly breaking down our muscles and then as we recover our muscles build back stronger because that's the beautiful thing about our body it's made to adapt and so that's what training does that's what strength training does that's what you know workouts do and running like we're breaking the body down so that it will build back up stronger okay and when that happens like sometimes we get these little tissue adhesions and tissue restrictions and so if if that could be part of the cause of whatever the next pain is that's happening 
Alright, so ultimately we need to get to actually knowing what the big underlying cause is. Otherwise, and this sort of metaphor popped up because I'm getting ready to start back to school, this is like when my students come into class and they smell bad, so they hit themselves with more body spray. <laughs> that doesn't fix anything. You need a shower. Now like, you just smell like axe. Like, now you smell like this combination of, like, high school boy body spray on top of BO, but there's still underlying body odor go take a shower like this is an issue this is the more disgusting and odiferous version of just throwing ice on an injury and hoping that it's going to go away it's not going away like you need to fix the issue that kid needs to go take a shower right and so our treatment framework then looks like um three separate areas okay so we've got our um injury framework where we evaluate, assess, and treat. And then within treat, we need to strengthen, mobilize, and correct. Okay. So this is where we look from our assessment tests. We need to strengthen the weak areas. We also need to strengthen our foundation. Okay. Most runners need a stronger core, a stronger hip, stronger foundation, um, just to help support them as they run, especially as we build mileage, especially as we try to get faster. These muscles are going to fatigue more quickly. So you need to be engaging in strength training. Um, Um, on the whole, you know, as the whole body strength training and then also targeted strength training to try to fix some of those weaknesses and imbalances that are specific to you and your injury. Right. So the overall, like everybody's going to benefit from like some general core training. And as you like to point out very often is the core is every part of you that isn't a limb is, is your core. So all of that needs to get strengthened, but with certain, uh, certain injuries, there are more specific exercises because there are areas that are specifically extra weak Mm -hmm. or, um, out of balance from one side to the other. So while you probably need to strengthen both sides, you need to really work on the the left or the right or front Mm -hmm. or back or whatever it is so that you gain that balance. Right, exactly. And so when you do these assessment tests and figure out specifically where your weaknesses are, you can do the exercises to actually try to improve the strength, the power, the balance between two sides. You can improve your running form. These are all the things that we, we try to improve upon when we strengthen our body. Okay, the second thing is mobilize. We need the proper amount of movement both in our joints and in our tissues in order to run. Okay, so if we have joint restrictions, like especially in the ankle is a very common place where there are joint restrictions in runners. And so if our ankle, if we don't have enough mobility, enough available motion in our ankle, then other things compensate. Our body just naturally, our our bodies are so amazing and so beautiful, so adaptable. So if we have restrictions in one area, our body figures out how to make those movements happen or how to make that thing happen you know, with what you have, like we, we work with what we have, but the problem then becomes is, you know, the things that aren't supposed to be doing that movement are now helping you through that movement. So then those things start to fatigue more quickly and those things start to break down. So, you know, this is another reason why it's so important for us to assess properly and trace this back to where it actually started. Right. If you start using, okay, I'm not going to use actual muscle names here, but if you're supposed to use muscle A to perform part of your run, and instead you're using muscle B, now muscle B is going to get tired and not be able to perform its specific task. That's going to screw your running form up. Mm -hmm. And if that's only happening with your left leg, now your running form is going to be all sorts out of whack because your right leg's still moving correctly and your left leg is all wonky. So your form is completely messed up. Now, 
who knows what muscle, I mean, you know, and we're going to help you guys know if you come on Saturday, what muscle is actually causing the issue, Mm -hmm. but that pain could show up in all sorts of different locations. Knowing where that pain actually came from is key because then you can mobilize, you can strengthen. Right. And so, you know, you use muscle A, muscle B. A a good example of this would be like, if you don't have enough ankle mobility, like if you, um, so part of the running motion is pulling your toes up as you like bring your leg through. If you don't have enough movement in your ankle to actually bring your toes up, which is called dorsiflexion, then your body's probably going to compensate by increasing your hip flexion, which is like bringing your knee up more to actually clear your foot. Because if you can't clear your foot because you don't have enough dorsiflexion bringing the toes up, you're going to scrape your toes on the ground as you run through. So your body naturally compensates by lifting your knee higher so that you're not scraping the ground with every step. And you don't even think about that because your body just senses that you're about to trip. Right. And instead of dragging your foot, it just knows I'm about to drag my foot. And so Oh, and I can't actually point my, my bring, bend my toe up the opposite of point your mm-hmm. toe. It's bring your toe up the other direction. Yeah. So I'm going to lift with my, my hip instead. Right. And then your hip flexors get tight and they get overworked and then it shuts off your hip extensors and it leads to this whole cycle. Okay. And, and we don't expect you guys to know all that. That's why you're coming to us so that I can help you with this. That's why, you know, I earned a doctorate in physical therapy so that I can help you tackle this pain once and for all for good. Like That's why I've run hundreds of miles and gone through all of the injuries so that I can share them with all of you. <laughs> you haven't gone through all the injuries. <laughs> Only when you stop doing your strength exercises. <laughs> so anyway, so back to this. Okay, so so we've got strengthen, we've got mobilize, and we've got correct, okay? And correcting the other issues is a lot of what our training academy is about, okay? The Real Life Runners Training Academy, we go over a lot of strength, a lot of mobility, but also the other training errors that we need to correct if we want to get rid of these problems for good. And that that includes things like our mindset, our effort levels, our running form, footwear, the amount of recovery that we actually need, nutrition that are actually that's actually going to help support our bodies and allow our bodies to recover as quickly as possible and nourish our bodies and help our muscles to get stronger and do all the things that we need to do. Right, because, well, you probably need to strengthen and increase the mobility in certain areas because you, you found the actual like issue. You yeah. found the underlying cause. There was something that made that be an issue in the first place. So if you know the actual cause of your pain, then you can find the problem that created that cause Mm -hmm. that created the pain. So instead of just continuing to mask and and treat symptoms, you actually are treating what's causing this underlying issue. So you strengthen, you mobilize, and then you look at your overall training and be like, oh, well, I'm missing this entire aspect of my training. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's super helpful. Right. Like, so some runners, maybe you're doing some strength training. Maybe you're just absent of that. Maybe you're not incorporating any sort of cross training or or mobility work. Maybe you are just training too hard, you know, and and you're not giving yourself enough recovery time. A lot of runners fall into that trap very easily. I mean, this goes back to this story we had at the beginning of that anonymous runner who was (laughs) overtraining, underrunning, did no, not you just said under running over training under recovering yes did not do the strength training that he needed to be doing but did they even teach you that stuff yes when you were on the team yeah oh, okay. i just tried to ignore it as much as possible oh. because it was not fun um so I, I skipped that part i know my nutrition was not on point with the dining hall food like that just like, i i wasn't 
I would say I was eating enough. I would not say I was eating enough of the appropriate foods. You weren't getting the correct nutrients. Yes. Yes. I was certainly getting enough calories, but not the correct nutrients. Right. So when you don't get those, you know, micronutrients and macronutrients that your body needs, like your tissues just aren't going to recover and build as strong as they need to be. Right. So, I mean, you find issues in a training program and I was pretty much checking the boxes. (laughs) (laughs) But shockingly, a bag of ice did not fix the issue. Right, exactly. And so this is why it's so important to go through this process, especially if you find yourself in this vicious cycle of injury. Like no runner wants to be in this cycle, you know, so you need to get to the root cause of whatever is happening in your body. You need to evaluate, figure out exactly what's going on and get specific on it. You know, a lot of people like ignoring the problem, like what Kevin said, that's not going to do you any good. Like you have to come to terms with that you know, I've got pain. This is what's happening. I need to figure out how to treat this. Okay. And, and so, um, we can help you with that on Saturday in our masterclass. Like we've mentioned the runnersbody.com. You can go see a doctor. You could go see a physical therapist in your area. You can, you know, there's lots of ways that you can actually treat the problem that, that you can actually assess and address this problem. Right. Um, and, and though all of those are really good options, you know, go see a doctor, go see a, physical therapist like I even would suggest to see a physical therapist first in a lot of cases right but the first point here is acceptance that you have an actual injury that you want to get better from and it doesn't just that you want a minor fix right and it doesn't have to be like a full-blown injury yet like that's this is another important point like if you're just starting to feel like that little bit of a nagging kind of pain like those little niggles that you're like "Mm, I think that that you know, that, that might be something like after the last few runs that I've done, I've have had that same pain that in that same pain, in that same location. And it kind of usually, you know, started to happen around the same point in my run or a little bit sooner, or it lasted a little bit longer. Like don't ignore those things. Okay. If you guys gain nothing else from this podcast, like don't ignore the problem. Okay. Whatever you do, because in most cases, the problem won't just go away. Sometimes you might, you know, sometimes you might get lucky and the problem is just like popped up and then it goes away. Um, but in most cases that problem won't go away unless you make some sort of change. You know, you need to change your training. You need to add in some strength training. You need to mobilize a certain area. Like there's something that, you know, needs to be done because pain is our body's way of letting us know that there's an issue. Okay. Like, so it's, it's really a beautiful thing. People are like, Oh, pain is so terrible. Like it's not like pain is a really, really good thing because it's your body's like little red flag. Like, Hey, we've got an issue going on here. You can't ignore this. And if you continue to ignore it, it will continue to get bigger and worse until you actually are forced to address it right i mean the medical conditions of people that can't feel pain they get all sorts of serious problems like it seems cool like i'd never experienced pain yeah but then you could burn yourself and not realize that you're burning. Mm-hmm. Like, it's important that you have the sensation of pain. So when mm-hmm. you put your hand down on a hot stove, you pick it back up. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, I was listening to another podcast the other day and they were talking about tendinopathy specifically, like uh, tendon problems. And they're like, yeah, only, only the good athletes get tendinopathy. Like, you know, like, <laughs> because they were saying like so many of these athletes, like, you know, the if you are like training for the Olympics and you've never had a tendon issue, then you're probably not on the highest rung of, you know, whatever 
sport you're trying to yep. compete in because that's part of you know you're pushing the envelope right especially the elite athletes are constantly trying to push that envelope and see what they're capable of they're they're trying to keep pushing pushing harder and then like recover as much as they can and then push harder and it's this constant like balancing act right and so it's the same thing with recreational runners just on a different scale right but it's it's a lot of of the high wire act and seeing how how long you can stay right on that line right mm-hmm. where it's as safe as i can but pushing as much as they can at the same time right and but you know the elites then don't just keep pushing you know once they start to have those issues then they need to make some adjustments and allow some more recovery you know they obviously have a a much bigger team than most of us do right because not a lot of us like to admit to the injury and so that's why they have a team that says actually how are you feeling today (laughs) no how are you actually feeling right no no how are you actually feeling exactly so if you have pain and injury remember to eat your injury evaluate it and if you can't if you don't feel comfortable evaluating it yourself Go see a professional, okay, that can help you to evaluate and assess it accurately so that you can get to that root cause of your pain and then actually know how to treat the problem so that it goes away for good. If you'd like more education, more information about this, um, specifically on calf, shin, and foot pain, that's going to be the topic of our masterclass this weekend. It's Saturday, August 15th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can register um, at therunnersbody.com. We're offering early bird pricing, only $25 until Friday, August 14th, and then the price goes up to $79 on Saturday, August 15th. So register today, get in on this, learn the framework so that you can take what we teach you and start to treat yourself, okay? I'm not just going over the basics. Like I'm getting in, I'm I'm giving you guys exact examples of like, specific hands-on treatment techniques that I do to help loosen, you know, up the tight areas. I'm going to give you specific exercises to do. Um, and then we'll obviously have plenty of time for question and answers at the end so that if you're confused about any of it, we're going to be there to answer your questions live. I I think that's one of the biggest things is we'll be there to answer questions live. And also if you register, if you can't make it this Saturday, um, it is going to be available on replay. Yes. Um, if you have signed up for the course, you will have access to the video. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, point you know like if you are already you know committed to something on saturday if you register you will have lifetime access to the replay you'll get all the the downloads the recordings and then you know we're happy to answer any questions that you might have via email you know if you weren't able to join us live and there are things that confuse you in in any way okay so we'll be here to to answer your questions to help you through the material all you have to do is register today at therunnersbody.com and you can have access to that lower leg masterclass. And we can't wait to, to work with everybody that's registered for that and help you actually get to the root cause of your pain, evaluate it, assess it, and treat it, and get rid of it for good. So as always, thank you guys for joining us. This has been the Real Life Runners Podcast, episode number 153. Now get out there and run your life. <laughs>